2021 is starting to look different from last year in terms of lending opportunities. Stephanie Williams, VP for Financial Institution Marketing Product and Strategy at Harlan Clark, is with us to discuss the changing lending landscape as we work our way through the pandemic. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. As we move deeper into 2021, some shifting in credit demand is underway for banks and credit unions. Our guest on this week's podcast is Stephanie Williams, VP for Financial Institution Marketing Product and Strategy at Harlan Clark. She joins us to talk about what she sees in the lending world as we emerge from COVID and how institutions might position themselves for these changing opportunities. Stephanie, we appreciate you being with us. Terry, thanks for having me. So Stephanie, each week it looks like we're working ourselves more and more out of COVID's grasp. Yes, we're still in a recession officially, but the economy is growing, unemployment is falling, consumers are spending, and still interest rates are super low, so it's cheap to spend. What are you seeing out there as the weather gets better and Americans ache to get back more toward their old normal lives? Even since December, we're continuing to see demand for credit. I think we all know 2020 was a big year for mortgages. What we saw even December and January is trigger volume was up about 60% in the mortgage category. It was also up, coincidentally, in the personal loan space and in the auto loan space. Uh, the only thing that seemed to take it on the chin a bit was credit card. I mean, we did see about $80 billion <laughs> paid down in credit card balances in 2019, probably because of all the mortgage activity. But as people are coming back to that recovery phase, if you will, we really expect to continue to see loan demand. More consumers than ever are focused on improving their homes. So if any of you have been to Lowe's lately, as I have, we've watched things like OSB or plywood double and triple in cost. So there will need to be some borrowing in that equation as the price and logistics have really changed that dynamic. Uh, we also see that in other areas as people are looking at perhaps buying a car, if they used to lease a car, given the little limited mileage, we expect that we're going to see increased demand in the used auto space as people are coming out of this. The demand side for credit certainly looks to be very much intact, like you said. The, you know, the market is there. And we know that banks are brimming with deposits due to months of lower consumption and stimulus money that's been saved, other factors as well. So how are banks marketing departments doing in trying to match the rising demand for money with the abundant supply of money? What we saw towards the middle of last year is we almost saw a slight pullback, if you will, in the communication they were having to their customers. For whatever reason, whether it was they were uncomfortable, branches you know, weren't necessarily open, so they didn't want to drive additional activity, there was really a gap in communication with customers. What we hear from those that are being successful is they've been successful because they've stayed in touch with their customers. We've had many clients, not all, less than half, that have continued marketing throughout 
this entire pandemic, and they're reaping the reward. That reward comes from relationship conversation, whether that's about loans, whether that's about deposits. It's almost like fish in a barrel, if you will. They are continuing to put their lines in the water, and they're reaping the rewards from that. I can't emphasize enough one of the biggest learnings we've had in the marketing space during this pandemic is you can't be absent. Your customers are going to fill in that gap. And is that communication gap going to come from one of your competitors? So it's really important to keep those communication lines open. Given the improving conditions that we're seeing now and what appears to be a favorable outlook going forward, what do you think banks should be doing in terms of getting out the word that they're open for more business lending-wise? And obviously not just banks, but credit unions as well. It's so important for consumers to really understand the context of of the lending that you're offering. And lending can be everything from credit line increases to offering of new accounts. So really being sure that your messaging addresses all the products that that consumer would be eligible for. So just thinking from a consumer perspective, these are different times and the way they're going to borrow is different. Be sure that your communications are clear in branch, in store, and Online, what does your online experience look like, both for online banking as well as your commercial site? Is it really clear what products you are ready to serve the market with? You talk about that positioning here. What are the particular banking products that you think in this market may be able to generate more traction with the help of a good marketing push? I think it's really interesting, Terry, as as you look at some of the facts I was looking at some of the data around what really happened last year in terms of refinance. And it's really interesting if you compare the number of people that have taken cash out refinance for the last 20 years. What we saw in 2020, those that were refinancing, about 38% of those refinances were cash out refi. We really hadn't seen that level of dollars in cash out refinance for more than 10 years. And I also looked at what that did to equity in particular. Those that cashed out in refinance, they took out of the whole market about 25 basis points in equity. What does that mean? Well, back in 2006, at the heyday of equity, we were about 50 basis points that was being taken out of the market. While 25 basis points isn't small, it's not the record-setting levels we had before the Great Recession. So what does that mean in answering your question? Home equity is really going to be positioned nicely to do well in this market, assuming consumers have the appetite for the wait time. So as a bank lending marketer, I would be looking at my ability to deliver a home equity product quickly. If I can't deliver it quickly, I would focus on other products. Those other products would be personal loans especially for those marketers that offer personal loans with larger limits. You know, we had seen in 2018, 2019, some banks offering upwards of 25000 in a personal line to those that are more credit worthy. Those that are more credit worthy will be borrowing, not necessarily for cash flow, but for making investments. You know, when you look at what interest rates are doing on deposits, it's pretty light. And so people are going to be looking to invest maybe in additional real estate or even in businesses opening up, and they'll need cash in order to do that. Succinctly, I'll just tell you, Terry, that I would say home equity, personal loans, I think it's going to be a while before cards come back, but it's always going to be complimentary. 
I do want to make sure that I clarify that it's not just about the product, but getting the product in the consumer's hand. And many times the best way to do that is with pre-approval. Consumers sometimes who are sitting on the fence, they have that additional push that, hey, I'm already pre-approved. I'm not going to hear no. That's an important part of that equation. Let me ask you a little bit more about pre-approval. You mentioned somebody sitting on the fence trying to decide. What makes pre-approving someone such a useful tool for the lender? And I assume that it goes beyond the person sitting on the fence to somebody who maybe hasn't even overtly expressed an interest in taking out a loan yet. For the lender's perspective, pre-approval can help in a couple of ways. It's really been in the last two to three months. We have clients that we work with that do pre-approvals, and they said, how can you help me make my loans more profitable? Which is a really interesting question because we don't control pricing. The clients control pricing. But from a marketing perspective, the way pre-approval can play into that hand is with pre-approval, you can adjust your credit criteria into markets that maybe those loans are priced more attractively you know, giving you more spread. Maybe it's focusing your marketing activities around clients that maybe have a little bit lower of a credit score where you have a greater spread in your loan pricing. The other interesting thing about pre-approval to consumers, if you pre-approve them for a few different products, you're informing them. You're kind of giving them a menu that's already approved, allowing them to say, okay, I want to spread this over time. Or I would prefer that those balances revolve because I'm going to pay them off instantaneously. By pre-approving for more than one product, you're really equipping that consumer to make a well-informed decision. You mentioned mortgages earlier in our conversation. Interest rates have been nudging up this year as economic optimism grows, and that has sort of hit the, the refinancing side pretty hard. Refi applications are down considerably compared to where they were in 2020, and the current forecast is not too good going forward as well. Given that refis account for about 60% of overall mortgage activity, what's the next logical move for mortgage lenders? Consumers are, if they're looking in this interest rate environment from renting and making the leap to purchasing, the amount of supply in the market is really low. So what does that mean to a consumer? It means that they've got to have as many arrows in their quiver as possible when they go to make an offer on that home. So as we're looking at refinance volume coming down, more and more mortgage lenders want that piece of the purchase market. And what's it going to take to be successful in that purchase market. It's really kind of building all of those competencies that we have left behind, if you will, in the good fortune of refinance. It's the things like building those referral networks. It's understanding first-time home buyers, having those first-time home buying seminars, doing pre-approvals, doing education to the market of here's what you should know or here are the steps that you should take in order to get that first mortgage. Those are skills or, or muscles even, Terry, that I think have atrophied for a lot of us. Of course, the, you know, the lending space is much more than just mortgage. So what about other types of lending where refis are less dominant? Are you thinking that a different marketing mindset is needed there as well? Yeah, I think some of it is what we talked about earlier when we were talking a little bit about pre-approvals. 
long gone are the days of a home equity promotion in the spring and a home equity promotion in the fall or credit card promotion in November. I mean, just like consumers have gone omni-channel, they're also omni-product, if you will. So informing those consumers about what options they have and allowing them to make the decision. What do I mean by that? Our solution that we find delivers best for clients is one where they're doing multiple pre-approvals. So imagine, if you will, as a consumer receiving a letter in the mail from your bank that says, hey, Terry, you've been approved for accepting any of these loan offers. And you see pictures right on the page of a personal loan with a credit limit and an interest rate and a monthly payment. You see the same for credit card for home equity, maybe for a home equity loan and for a home equity line to contrast those. And then finally, for an auto loan. That way, we aren't trying to outguess that you're going to put a deck on your house or you got to buy a car for your child. We're empowering you to make that decision. But because of your relationship with your bank, they stand ready to come to your aid. We've been talking about pre-approval here, but there are other terms out there that sound similar but aren't quite the same thing. Pre-qualified for credit, for instance, or you've been pre-selected for something. How much confusion does that create for customers in the context of marketing teams trying to build up those relationships that you were talking about? I think as bankers, and I myself was one years ago, but as bankers, I think sometimes we get so entangled in those words and translate the meaning across our business. What do I mean by that? Some of the clients we work with, they'll be very specific um, about pre-approved versus pre-selected versus pre-qualified. In the mortgage space, there is absolute distinction. That's the way mortgage operates. Are you pre-qualified? So this is kind of what your debt to income can afford in a monthly payment, which translates to a loan amount versus pre-approved in the mortgage space means you have a property that you want to buy, you've made an offer on, and based on it clearing all of the title implications, the bank is ready to close, go to the closing table, you are pre-approved. In that space, it is very contextual, but other places, the importance of being clear with the consumer is important. If you tell me I'm pre-selected, I'm going to say, what, I'm selected over my neighbor? Or as a consumer, we got to think, they just don't necessarily know what that means. So as we're going through and trying to build that relationship with the consumer, be plain. Be transparent, be real clear about what you mean and think about that as you're going through getting approvals within your compliance, maybe even your underwriting team of the wording that you use. Because if you look at FCRA, those words are very synonymous in the consumer lending space. And I will caveat out, mortgage is a little bit different. So Stephanie, I feel like I ask some variation of this question on every podcast. The disruption of banking by COVID has given a huge boost to all things digital when it comes to banking. It's really sped up the pace of the transformation that had been underway for a while before the pandemic. Certainly, there's opportunity in that for digital marketers looking to be able to more easily deliver their messaging. But are there challenges there as well? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, just think about yourself as an individual consumer. How many different emails have you had to unsubscribe to during this pandemic? Or how many times have you had to answer the question on a website about accepting cookies or declining the cookies? It's so important that there are so many marketing messages coming at consumers realizing that to be a successful marketer, you need to be omni-channel. What we found in our data is it generally takes about 18 impressions to get through that armor of a consumer and get them to a decision point. So doing that all digitally, especially with the hurdles that you described, seems unlikely. So the importance of using digital advertising, OTT advertising, just using all of those at your arsenal will really help yield a greater result. When you have all those channels at play, it's also recognizing how you offer the opportunity for the consumer to engage with you. For instance, what we've talked about a few times here is that multi-loan pre-approval. And multi-loan pre-approval, while it's great to have the offers out in front, how do you allow that consumer to respond? We have had tremendous success in the digital arena during the pandemic in seeing consumers increase their engagement of online banking. So those multiple pre-approvals being present right within your online banking experience and allowing the customer to just click a button to accept that offer. That's a way of leveraging the digital channel in your favor as a marketer. We've seen the engagement there go from 30% of all redemptions coming through digital channels, primarily online banking, to 60% of redemptions in many client cases. So the importance of that omni-channel isn't just for putting the message out there, but also as a channel for response. Lots of lines in the water, as you said earlier, and then making it easy to accept an offer with just a click. I can see how that might gain traction with customers. So Stephanie Williams, VP for Financial Institution Marketing Product and Strategy at Harlan Clark. Thanks again for making time to be with us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Thanks, Terry. A few takeaways with Stephanie Williams from Harlan Clark. First, her observation is that many financial services organizations pulled back on their communication with customers during the pandemic and that they've lost ground to those who stayed in better contact. Stephanie says one of her key learnings from COVID is that customers are frequently in need of financial information, And if their bank or credit union is not supplying it, they'll find it elsewhere, and this stands to hurt the relationship. Mortgage activity is currently weak, a combination of a drop-off in refinancings and a lack of homes available for sale, another of the effects of COVID. So as the economy picks up pace, where's the next lending opportunity? Harlan Clark's view is that home equity loans and credit lines are positioned well for this market, as are higher limit personal loans, given the relatively low interest rates. And finally, to engage customers who might be thinking about borrowing, Stephanie suggests that pre-approvals may be an effective tool. And better still, she says, may be a multi-loan pre-approval. That way, the bank or credit union does not have to guess what the customer's needs might be. Being proactive by approving loans up front and making the offers omni-channel is an example of that personal touch in banking that customers say they want. Thanks for listening to the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. Please join us again next time for another conversation on a topic of importance to the financial services industry.